So you can be little people and still be a giant in God. And you can be a big person and be a wuss. But that's by the way. Okay. <laughs> Personally, I want to be a giant in God all the time. And my prayer, my desire for all of us is to become giants in God. Full of faith. Yeah? Yes. Isn't it God good? I just, I just loved this morning. <laughs> Don't you think? What a privilege. Okay. God, help me. I, students, let me just say thank you so much for being part of us. Thank you so much for all you bring to us. We love you guys. And, and have a great summer. But you know what? Do feel free to come and stay. Do feel free to come and join us over the summer. Come back early because you want to be part of the action. And you know, if you've got nowhere to stay, tell us. We'll find places for you to stay. But you are such a blessing to us. You got that? That's the right response, not that. That's the right response. Johnny's shaking his head in the wrong way. <laughs> How can I tell? His hair was doing funny things, but... Well, it's simple, really. I, look, what happens is churches send their young people away to university, and then, then people, they, they, they get into a church, and then they decide after university to stay in different places. We had, that happened in Bedford all the time. We got people from Bedford all over the country, but nobody ever came to us, hardly ever. And that was really frustrating. Now, some of you guys actually came here and are part of Jubilee because you came as students. Is that right? Yeah. Well, two. Okay. <laughs> all right. All I'm saying is this. Dare to believe that when you came to, to, to Teesside as a student... God was leading you, not just to a university, but to a whole future in him. Okay? Dare to believe those things. Pray into it. I'm not prophesying that you've got to stay much, but <laughs> you get the feel. Because there's such an opportunity here, right now, in God. Such a joy in his presence. It's glorious. I was... Uh, I just want to say thank you, Jackie, for, for, for starting us off this morning the way you shared. It's just wonderful... Wonderful. Uh, it, it's easy to praise God when we're excited. It's easy to give God praise when we feel, oh, it's been a great week. But, but Watchman Nee, my, my Chinaman, my, one of my heroes, in one of his writings he says this, praising Jesus through the tears, that is Christianity. It's because we know him, because we love him. And then I've been so thrilled the way the, the, the focus, Johnny, thank you for the focus and the way God's taken us, focusing on, on the love of God. It's fantastic. It kind of fits with where, where I'm at this morning. I want to talk this morning about us being a, a devoted community. In Acts 2, uh, 42, sorry, 41, 42, uh, we read, Those who accepted his, that's Peter's message, were baptized. This is, this is Pentecost. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. God, let's do it again. Don't, don't. Don't, don't you, doesn't something in you desire that? Just, just before, just earlier, before I preached, um, M- Martin uh, Kempson came over and he just said, can I pray with you? And he prayed with me and he just, I feel God says, just to remind you that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. We look at that and go, oh, well, that was Pentecost. Oh, well, that was nice. We read the history of revivals when whole towns are swept in to the kingdom of God in a day. And we go, oh, that was wonderful. 
Nothing is impossible with God to dare to believe, to ask God. Lord, we want to praise God for the ones and twos and tens and twenties, but to see a day when hundreds are swept into the kingdom in a day. I want those days. You know, I want those days. I desire those days for the glory of God. I want them not because I want a big church. I want them for Jesus' sake. I want them for their sake because they're lost and going to hell. I want them. That's what I'm here for. That's what we're here for. Dare to believe God. 3,000 were added to their number that day, and it says they devoted themselves. Imagine 3,000 people. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The word devoted, it simply means giving yourself to or making the highest priority of or making of first importance. So these new disciples of Jesus gave themselves over to learning good doctrine and theology. What did Raj say? Do you remember a while back? Theology matters. You look so excited about that. (laughs) You know what? Jesus said you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We need, as a people, to know the truth, to know the truth of God, his plans, his word, his power. And as we know it, we can live in the good of it and apply it. And I feel very exercised that we need to increase that, develop that more and more. Theology matters. The first thing they did, they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, which was all about good doctrine and theology. They gave themselves to learning about the church and how to play their part in the body of Christ. We've just joined the church. Wow, what's that like? They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking bread together in their homes uh, and when they gathered at other times. This was all about not just going through a ritual. It was about devoting themselves to keeping Jesus central in their life together. So whenever they gathered, when they had friends around, they took the opportunity, either at the end of a meal or other times, just saying, let's, let's just celebrate Jesus together. It's a very living, dynamic meal, breaking bread. It wasn't just a thing you do on a Sunday because it says in the Bible. That's religion. That's, that's ritual. It was about keeping Jesus central. Have you got any friends in the church? Some of you. It's great to be friends. It's really, really good to be friends. But you know what joins us together is Jesus. The central focus of our relationships together is Jesus. Paul Winston and I kind of, kind of click. We like technology and steam trains. And <laughs> trains that run in the garden and all sorts of concepts. We just kind of click. And that's wonderful, but you know what really keeps our friendship and what makes our friendship is, is Jesus. That, that, that's what our friendship's based on, him central in our midst, him central. So it doesn't mean I'm just friends with Paul because we click at an intellectual and the way we're wired, really. <laughs> that's, that's great. And I know most people think we're a bit sad. I understand that. I, 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 Paul understands that as well. I, I, we understand. You know, it's, it's like people say to me, and I've got my model railway in my garage. I built the room for it. And, 
it's so therapeutic for me to go in there and fiddle and, and, make, and make it run round. And people say, oh, is that your nice train set? Then you get a kick through. But people don't appreciate the real things in life. For me, right? But at the end of the day, our friendship isn't built just on common interest. Our friendship is built on Christ. And because we're in Christ, all the different types, we can be deepest of friends and yet we totally, have totally diverse interests because Jesus is the focal point. Jesus is the center of our life together. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That's what that's about. They devoted themselves to being in Christ together, Jesus being the center. And it says, then they devoted themselves. It actually says to prayer, but it didn't say to prayer. It says to the prayers. They were a praying people. They learned to pray. They prayed for one another. They prayed with one another. They learned to call on God together, to ask God for big things. They learned that nothing was impossible for God. Dare we ask God for that? Dare we ask God for this? Let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. We have a week of prayer at the end of June. Okay, we're going to pray. We'll keep praying. Say, well, are we praying for the same as last time? Absolutely. We've got four wells I want to see fully, fully developed. Okay, I'm going to keep praying for the same thing and the same thing and the same thing until we see Teesside transformed by the gospel. And these four wells are key for us. Yes, we'll pray for some other things. We'll pray for some nations and, and other things. But, but they learned about prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Are you devoted to prayer? Or is it something you do because there's a prayer meeting? Can I ask you today, what are you devoted to? I'm thirsty. See, the bottom line is we're, we're, we're devoted to the people and things that matter to us. Aren't we? There are many things that call out to us in our complex day, the day we live in. You know, these are busy days. These are complex days. They're days of instant communication, days when... We watch the news happening live all over the world on TV. These are incredible days. And it's usually bad news. It's usually worrying news. And we've got all of that, and we've got all our responsibilities and instant communication. You can't write a letter to somebody anymore. You, you could write a letter before, and you could get that it would take a week for their reply to come. And, you know, things happened at a nice pace. Today, you get the phone out and go, and they haven't replied yet. I've given them 10 minutes. Why haven't they replied? That's the society we live in now. Young people, you're laughing at me. You think I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I understand. Actually, I live with my mobile. I'm not sure it's always a blessing. But the, the point I'm making is this. In our complex society, we get devoted to many things, even our mobile phones, actually. We can be devoted to our career, our family, our education, our car, our money, our relationships, our hobby, the pursuit of pleasure. The Bible says, in the last days, 
people will become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Believe it or not, in our Western society, we live in a society that is devoted to the pursuit of pleasure before everything else. It's just how it is. I want to read to you from John chapter 21. We'll read it. It should be on the screen. We're going to read verses 1 to 19. And the context here is that Jesus has been crucified and and then risen from the dead. And he's then on the earth for about 40 days before he sends back into heaven. And, uh, And the Holy Spirit is then, after he sends back to heaven, the Holy Spirit is then poured out on the church. During this period of 40 days, Jesus appears to the disciples a number of times. So far, he'd appeared to them a couple of times. And uh, we need to understand the context. We need to understand that the disciples were at best confused. Probably rather disillusioned. Certainly Peter would have been. Can you imagine these guys that had been with Jesus for two or so years? And wow, the kingdom of God's coming. And they've seen miracles and everything. And then, then they witnessed Jesus die on a cross. And, and it, I know Peter denied Jesus, but actually all of them disappeared apart from John, as far as we can tell. They're a disillusioned bunch of guys. It's all gone up in smoke. It's, it's, it, was, it was for so much and nothing's happened. And, and now, now he's risen from the dead, but we, we've only seen him twice in a, 30 days or so, and we're a bit confused. Would you be confused? I'd be confused. I thought he died. Oh, no, I told you I was going to live again. But, Lord, you're not like you were. No, I'm, I'm glorified. What's one of those? What, what, what's that? Lord, you just appeared through a door. Uh, you would have trouble with that, wouldn't you? You know, I mean, that's the dynamic. That's the thing. These guys who very down-to-earth, ordinary people, you know, fishermen and tax collectors and that sort of thing. And, and they'd been with Jesus and they'd seen miracles and they'd even done miracles themselves, but they weren't used to people walking through locked doors. And Jesus comes and just walks into their midst. Whoa, I'm confused. You and I would be confused. A bit disillusioned, perhaps, thinking, I don't know who I am or what I'm for anymore. And certainly Peter, three times he denied that he knew Jesus even cursing as he did so. He'd been so sure of himself as he promised Jesus, even if others desert you, Lord, you can rely on me. Do you know that sort of response? Have you ever been like that? Whatever goes on, I'm here. Do you, do you, you know, we all want to be heroes. You know, that's not a, other people, they'll let you down. You can rely on me. Do you, do you, you know the sort of thing I'm talking about? Some of you. In, inside, we want to be that sort of person, don't we? I'm reliable. I'm consistent. I won't fail. Okay. Jesus' response to Peter was, you will deny me three times. That was inconceivable as far as Peter's concerned. Oh, how wrong he was. Under the, under the pressure of scrutiny, he denied Jesus three times, and then the cock crows. And he thought, oh, imagine the revelation of that moment when you think, I've blown it. You ever blown it? Peter blew it big time. He was nowhere. John 21, verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. 
It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Just a comment here. When people are under pressure, they often go back to the things they know. It's what happens under pressure. When you're under pressure, you run for what you know. You, well, I can do that. These guys were fishermen. Interestingly, you've seen Peter's leadership here. He's a natural leader. He's the one who says, oh, guys, I'm going off fishing. Oh, we'll come. That's leadership. Leadership is, is anybody following you. You don't have to say, oh, I've got to be a clever leader. You just look around. People are behind you. And you think, what, what are you doing there? Well, wherever you go, I'm going, because you said you're going fishing. Well, we'll come too. So that's, that's the dynamic. They go off fishing. Peter thought, well, I'm no good at following Jesus anymore, but at least I know how to catch fish. Except, he couldn't even do that now. They fish all night and catch nothing. Not even a tiddler. I mean, imagine how he felt. You know, I'm a fisherman. I know how to do this. All night, not a thing. You know, there's a lesson here. I don't have any time to open it up. It's this. Once you've walked with Jesus, you are ruined for anything else. You know, it says, he who puts his hand to the plow and then turns back isn't fit for the kingdom. I tell you, once you put your hand to the plow, you're ruined for anything else. I see it over and over again. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will fulfill. Nothing else will ever be the same again once you've said yes to Jesus. Peter had walked with Jesus, and now he couldn't even catch fish. Early in the morning, verse 4, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't recognize that it was Jesus. Again, he didn't look quite the same. He calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. Who is this? Who is this? We're fishermen. Who's this? So they did anyway. They put the net on the right side of the boat, and when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, he says to Peter, It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Even the things you used to do in the natural, you can't do them anymore unless the Lord gives you permission, unless the Lord blesses, unless the Lord directs. It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and he jumped into the water. It's worth noting here that although Peter was very likely disillusioned with himself and having denied Jesus so strongly, he still was the first to get to Jesus. You know, we all blow it all the time. Any? Any? Yeah, if, if you don't, tell me. Would you like to know the secret of your perfection? <laughs> I might point out a few things on the, on the, when you come to me. Um, <laughs> we blow it all the time. But, but, and, but Peter's example here is worth following. 
he ran to Jesus, not away from him. He'd blown it, but he still ran to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who is full of grace and rich in mercy. You know, the, thing, the only thing that stops us running to Jesus when we get things wrong is our pride. Peter wasn't too proud to run to Jesus. Sadly, sadly, I've seen so many people doing well in God. They blow it, and rather than run to him, they run away from him and let it become a big divide. Sin will always be a big divide, but grace covers it. But to have the grace, you've got to come to Jesus, not run away from him. Verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the full net of fish, for they were not far from the shore, but a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, so this is another aside. I love doing this with Scripture. It's great. You can just pick things out. They've worked all night and caught nothing, and now they've caught this big lump of, this big net of fish that's still in the net in the water. And Jesus is there with a file with fish on it. Where, where did Jesus get his fish from? I'm having my breakfast, guys. I don't know about you. But. From the shop, yeah. Well, probably wasn't one by the shore, but it's a good... Just, just, it's good to ask questions. You know, I wonder how that worked. Well, with Jesus, all things are possible, so it's not a problem. And Jesus says to them, bring, you bring some of the fish you've caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even so, with, many, the net was not, with so many fish, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he, he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger... And you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. It's recorded, not in the scripture, but it's recorded that Peter was actually crucified upside down. They were going to crucify him the right way up, but he said, I'm not fit to be, to be crucified like my Savior. And so they crucified him upside down. But that's a, another story. So Jesus says to him, follow me. So I've given myself two points this morning. I've been going half the way through anyway, so there's only room, time left for two points. First one is this, devoted to Jesus. The second one is devoted to the mission of Jesus. 
If the Church of Jesus Christ is to accomplish the purposes of God in our day, it will be, it will be because we as a people are devoted to Jesus and his mission as of first importance. Before family, before career, before money, before anything, devotion to Jesus is our calling. For Jesus says to us, follow me. So devotion to Jesus, what, what do you think motivates devotion? Love. He got it in one. Well done. What motivates devotion? Love motivates devotion. Nothing else. Nothing else. The last thing you need to hear from me this morning is the word should. We'll never be devoted to anything out of duty. You ought, you should pray every day. You should do this. You should do that. Does that, does that make you devoted? No. It doesn't. It makes you feel guilty. It makes you feel condemned doesn't motivate you. doesn't make you devoted. Our, de- our devotion does, of course, involve discipline, but we'll only do these things because we love him. It will require effort, but all of that has to be motivated by love. I feel the need to remind us all this morning that we are loved with a passion that will take our breath away once we see it. God is love, and he loves you and I individually and us together as a people with a passion, that take-your-breath-away sort of love. I was thinking during the meeting, just thinking about love. We were singing about love. Have you ever been loved so much it takes your breath away? The rest of you are sad. There's one person, right? I, I, I was just, I was thinking of Jean and I, she doesn't know I'm going to do this. I, you know when, when, when you're just getting together and you become aware that she really loves me. You know that, <laughs> you know when you go weak-kneed and wobbly. <laughs> Didn't you ever have the joy of that? Some of you, the rest of you haven't lived yet. That oh, takes your breath away, it's like, <gasps> and I know I did the same for Jean. No, we, we, haven't got, we haven't got time to ask Jean on that one, just a moment. True love takes your breath away. And to see the love of God and know the love of God takes your breath away. There's such a passion. However much you've been loved by a person or people or parents or children, God's love is so much bigger so much deeper, so much wider, so much more powerful. He has a passion for you this morning. That if you see it for a moment, it will take your breath away and change you forever. That's the nature. That's the nature of God, in fact. When Jesus died on the cruel cross, he did it for you. He did it for me. My my problem is I was brought up in a Christian home and I I was taught the the mechanics of the gospel, if you like. I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me. I'm forgiven. And all of that's true and all of that's wonderful. But you know what? 
It took me years to understand the passion behind the love. I understood the mechanics. We can understand the mechanics of the gospel. We can declare it. We can preach it. But, but you know what? It comes with so much more power when you think, I've been absolutely, totally undone by the love of God. He has won me with a passion because he died for me at Calvary. He has made me clean. He has transformed my life. He has made me brand new. And he's done it and he cares about it. And he did it purely because he loves me. Wow. It's, it's like, oh. It's something I want to tell you about. It's something I, I want to shout to the, from the rooftops. It's something I, I want to go to Turkey. We've just been in Turkey on holiday. And all the people I talk to, I'm saying, oh, I want you to know about relationship with God. I want you to know about he who cares for you with such passion. I want you all to know this morning, whatever your background, God loves you with a passion. And he demonstrated by giving his only son for you that you could be free of sin and shame and have life eternal. Wow. Isn't that a good gospel? I think it's a great gospel. It gets me anyway. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. Whoever. That whoever is you. That whoever is me, that whoever is your family, that whoever is your next-door neighbor, that whoever is your work colleagues, it's more than just a general love. God loves the world. There's a personal passion. It's about us individually. It's about our life, our issues, our sin, our shame, our heartache, our worries, God cares. He loves. He wants to set us free. In Luke 12, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says this, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. <laughs> Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. There's something so tender, so comforting about these verses, even when you're bold like me and like Raj. Even. It's still comforting. When I was on holiday in, in Turkey, I was talking to the owner of the hotel where we stay. He's a lovely guy called Ali. He's around my age, and he's a Muslim in name but not in practice. He's certainly not short of money. He has three houses and a few cars. But he seems totally fed up with the rat race of life. He's so stressed out and worried about things. Keeps running off up to the house in the mountains to shoot a wild boar. And comes back down. He's also, believe it or not, got 45 pheasants as pets. And he's breeding them. I don't know what for. Something to do, I guess. But I was talking to him, and as I was talking to him, I began to think what life must be like without a personal relationship with a God who loves me. My heart started to ache. And then I was reminded of a little verse that I used to have by my bed on a little metal, metal plaque. I had it from as far back as I can remember, right through my teens. I don't know where it is now, but I had it virtually all my childhood. I've told you about it before, but it always bears repeating, so I'm just going to read it to you again. 
said the sparrow to the robin, please can you tell me why these modern human beings rush around and worry so? And said the robin to the sparrow, I think that it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. It's profound, actually. It's profound. You are worth more than many sparrows. You see, imagine never being able to cast your cares on Jesus. I just can't, I, I can't imagine life without that. Having to carry all my fears, all my worries, all the things I fret about. My friend in Turkey needs to know about our God of love who loves him with such a passion that he sent his son to die for him. He needs to know that he can cast all his cares on him because he cares for him. Can I ask, do you know the love of God? Do you know such a love? Do you know Jesus today? Not do you know about him, but do you know it? Do you know that love he has for you? Because you can say yes to him today. You can become a child of the living God today. It's not about how much intellectual knowledge you have. It's about suddenly believing that Jesus is not just a prophet. He is the son of the living God, born of the Virgin Mary. And he came, he's God's demonstration of love to a lost and dying world. And you can reach out to him today and say, Jesus, I believe in you and you will be born again. That's the truth of it. You will be born again. It's wonderful truth. And there'll be an opportunity at the end of the meeting for us to pray with you on these things. So our devotion to Jesus must be motivated by our love for him. And we will only love him as we should when we remember that he first loved us. I'm a responder not an initiator. I mean, if I've got time to do this, I'm sure I have. You know, when I, I, was, I was shy as a boy, I, I didn't really, you know, I always basically said, if a girl wants me, she'll have to come and get me. It was a bit like that, but it was my shyness. Well, Jesus, Jesus, Gene, same thing. No, <laughs> Jean, even before she knew it was being prophetic, when she first saw me, she looked at me and said, I'm going to marry him. Thank you, Lord. That's what I thought. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't reckon at all at the time. But the point I'm making is this. We, we think guys should initiate something and women should respond. I don't care who makes the initiation. The issue that love is a response Love is responding. It's not just giving. It's responding. We love because he first loved me. I can't demonstrate a love for God until he's, I'm, I'm responding to his love for me. That's the nature of love's like that. It's a responsive thing. It's like saying, we, we often say in, in, when there's a marriage breakdown, we say, well, love anyway. It's fine, and, and, and love is a choice. But the bottom line is this. It's much easier when you've got love to respond to. We love because he first loved us. John 1, 4. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. 
The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. I find that comforting, a joy, and I need to say to you, you are loved today. It's there for you to respond to. Back to our reading in John 21, we see that that Jesus asks Peter this similar question three times. It's likely Jesus asked the question three times because Peter denied him three times. But the first question is, Peter, do you love me more than these? More than what? It could be that Jesus is asking Peter, are you devoted to me more than your fishing business? The boat, the fish, the... I guess the question to us would be, do you love me more than your career, your education, or ambition? It's worth asking ourselves that question from time to time, just to make sure we haven't lost our first love. Because things do creep in. Or it could be that Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than you love these friends of yours? I guess the question to us would be, do you love me more than you love your husband, your wife, your children, your family, your friends? It's worth asking ourselves that from time to time. I know of so many people who have put other people before the Lord. Of course, we're to honor our family and so on, but Jesus did say these very uncomfortable words. Matthew 8, when Jesus saw the crowds around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him, uh, came and replied, foxes have holes, sorry. Then a teacher of the law came to, to him and Jesus replied, I've missed a bit, haven't I? In my notes. Can somebody look up Matthew 8 for me? Verse 18, 19. Simon will do that. Because he's a good guy. And he loves me very much. I do love these guys. This isn't just soppy, you know, we're, we're real men. But we do care. It's real. But it's privileged to be loved. Okay, thank you. I have a Bible now. Let me read this to you. 18 to... Oops, 18. Change my glasses. Um... Mm. Right. When Jesus saw the crowds around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple came to him and said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Wow, that's, that's not very nice, is it? Not very... Ooh. Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Oh, it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? If anyone, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You see, it, it's... We think of hate in the negative there, but actually hate is just in comparison to love. What he's basically saying is this, am I first? Because if I'm not first, you can't be my disciple. That's what he's saying. It's so easy to be devoted to people before Jesus. Family. I've seen so many people who who had all sorts of calling on their lives, who never stepped into it and didn't fulfill it because, well, I've got 
I've, I've, I've got this and that and the other responsibility. I know that. And sometimes it's, it, we have to make the choices and we have to work it out with God. But, but if we're not careful, we let the family dictate our future. We let the children dictate our future. We, we, rather than saying, I'm going to go this way, we say, oh, well, I would, but. How, how many people I know said, well, I, I would love to, but there's this. Now, if in pursuing the Lord, the Lord says, do this, that's fine. But it's also always a devotion to him first that's required. It really does mean giving him first place. Then we come to the third thing. When Jesus said, do you love me more than these? This is really what I think it's probably about. It's actually a challenge to Peter's pride. Peter, do you love me more than these friends of yours love me? Remember, Peter had boasted, Lord, you can rely on me. They might let you down, but I won't. And he's there with all his friends listening, and he's, he's just going to Peter's pride and going, okay, Peter, do you love me more than these guys do? I mean, how do you answer that? Now I'm exposed. Now I'm embarrassed. Oh, Lord, what am I supposed to say? You know what? When you walk with Jesus, pride will always get exposed. It will always get exposed. So Peter humbly answers three times. You know that I love you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And interestingly, Jesus turns each of Peter's replies into a command to action. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. You see, it can be easy to say we love God. Oh, Lord, we love you, but there are times when words are easy and actions speak louder. You see, devotion to Jesus is an active thing. Peter's devotion to Jesus took him all the way to martyrdom for Jesus' sake. What action is our devotion to Jesus producing? You have to answer that for yourself. What action is your devotion and my devotion to Jesus producing in our lives? Which brings me to my final point, and really I'm going to be very brief with this, devotion to the mission of Jesus. True devotion to Jesus is an active thing, not passive, and true devotion walks in obedience to God. He says in John 14, if you love me, you will obey me. You will obey what I command. True devotion to Jesus means we are devoted to the things that Jesus is passionate about. Jesus is passionate about his church. Are we devoted to it? I was, I was so thrilled. Thanks for, for bringing the thing about the, the gold bars this morning about the church. You know, you know what? You are pure gold. The church, you, that's us. We are pure gold in the hands of God. That precious thing. The church is so precious. Are we devoted to the church? It's the passion. Jesus, I'm building it. I love it. I died for it. It's my dwelling place. Are we devoted to the church? I am. He invites us to be devoted to the local church we're a part of and play our part with joy. How do you play your part? I'm going to read from Romans 12. For the By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. 
Just as each one of us has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him, go- let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another out of brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That is devotion to Jesus in action. It's like people say, oh, what's my part in the church? Your part is to be you. Give yourself to the church. Give yourself, give your gifts, give your abilities into the church. Play your part. But do it out of devotion to Jesus. And the church is then glorious. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's the city on a hill people looking for all to see. And they go, wow, what an amazing group of people. What is that? It's the dwelling place of God. It's this pure gold. Devotion to the church, and then this devotion to reaching the ends of the earth with this wonderful gospel. We are an ends of the earth people. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The prime action of our devotion to Jesus is to reach out to the people and to make more disciples. That's, that's our call. That, that, that's how our devotion is worked out. Jean and I come back from Turkey, and we, we come back from Turkey, pure holiday, and yet we come back with a heavy heart because we had all this, these conversations with people, and we're struggling to, to tell them about the love of God, and they'll say, well, it's just the same as being a Muslim. I think, no, it's not, but I don't know how to communicate. I don't know how to communicate, and we get back, and I get back, and there's an email uh, from the guy, another the place in Turkey, and they're basically saying where there's a, a lot of uh, Iranians in Yalava, and we're talking about going out with Sarush and Mavash and probably the same, can you come in November, please, and have a ministry time with, with these guys? We're thinking, yeah, okay. And then there's an email comes from Africa, Tanzania, and this, this guy's saying, oh, thank you so much for what you did in 2007. We've grown, we've multiplied, we're caring for 100 orphans, and, and there's all this need, and there's all this. And he says this, please come back and water what you've started and maybe weed it a little bit. And everything in me is going... Oh, we're, we're, we're an ends-of-the-earth people. We're, we're, this is who we are. It's not about, oh, that's nice for Paul. No, no, it's us as a people. We are Jubilee Church Teesside called to the ends of the earth with, to make disciples of all nations. We make disciples of nations here. We make disciples of nations all over the world because that's the calling of this glorious church that we're a part of. This is devotion to Jesus and his mission. I love it. I want us to love it together. So I'm done, really. We are the community of God. We have a part to play in the outworking of the purposes of God on the earth.
We're a community devoted to Jesus and his mission. I want to just take a few minutes in prayer before we, we, we do anything else. I want to give opportunity for salvation. I want to give opportunity for you to say, but I'm, I've heard a love that I didn't know about. I've, I, I suddenly heard that Jesus, God loves me with such a passion. You want to respond this morning. Let's just, just sit in his presence. Close your eyes. Maybe the Lord's just, just said, you've been a bit convicted about your devotion. And the Lord's not pointing a finger. He's not condemning. He's saying, look, let my love motivate your, motivate your responses. Lord, we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you come upon us now? Would you bring new life, new revelation? I pray you will come and rest on everyone. Lord, for those who do not know you, who have never known the love that, that is, is breathtaking, I pray you will break in right now and let them have a revelation of love that is breathtaking, takes breath away. Oh, I'm loved by God. Lord, I pray you'll quicken faith to respond to that. Lord, for the rest of us, perhaps we've been serving you a long time, but it gets a bit familiar, it gets a bit stale. Lord, I, I just pray, just love on us again. Love on us again. It was, was all about your love this morning. Love, us, love on us again. Fire it up again. Let's see it again. You, you are worthy, Lord. You are magnificent. You are absolutely awesome. You are you, you're incredible. You, you are so removed from us, and yet you love us with a passion. You've revealed yourself to us in Jesus, your Son. Thank you for the, the, the personal love you have for me, for each one of us. Holy Spirit, would you just freshen that up? <laughs> freshen it up. Loved with an everlasting love. Loved with a passion. Lord, I pray you will burn it deep in our hearts. Lord, we, we, we look this way and that. We have this idea and that idea. We, Lord, deliver us from all of that. We want to be totally consumed with you. Pure devotion to our wonderful Savior. Thank you, Lord. Lord, even if we praise you through the tears... We will still praise you because you're our God and you're worthy. You're worthy. You're building your church and it's glorious. We are your dwelling place and it's such a privilege to be caught up in the eternal purposes of God. What joy, what privilege to be a part of this. Lord, please don't, let, don't, don't allow us to take it lightly. Don't allow us to be wrapped up in a wrong thing of self. We're going to be totally consumed with you Build us together as a people. Teach us, Lord, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love because we're devoted to you. Lord, please, rest upon us just now. Just now. Come, Holy Spirit, just now. We love your presence. We love your touch. We love you because no one's excluded from the gospel. The word whoever believes in him includes every one of us. Whatever our background, whatever our country, whatever our situation, however bad our sin, 
whoever believes in Jesus will be born again and made brand new. Thank you, Lord, for such wonderful truth. I wonder if the band would come back, please.